After kicking off the 2023 season with losses at Minnesota and at Colorado, Matt Rule and Nebraska football seemingly righted the ship with a 5-1 run spanning from the middle of September to the end of October. Or at least we thought they righted the ship. Nebraska entered November with a 5-3, 3-2 in Big Ten Conference play record, but proceeded to finish the season with a 5-7, 3-6 record in Big Ten Conference play. The November collapse was a combination of poor quarterback play from Heinrich Harburg, Jeff Sims, and untimely interceptions by Chubba Purdy, though I thought he played well, a defense that was overall inconsistent, that at times had trouble defending the deep pass or even stopping the run, which they were pretty good at for much of the season, except for when they played Wisconsin and Iowa, yet again in November. And injuries began to pile up, and with Matt Rule rebuilding the program from the disaster that was Mike Riley and Scott Frost, none of Mike Riley's players are even on the 2023 roster, but anyway, Nebraska has been down for a while, and we knew that a rebuild would take some time, even with the transfer portal, even with good recruiting, and even with, I think, a fairly large amount of blue-chip talent on deck, given Nebraska's position traditionally in the Big Ten West and now in the, I'd say, lower half of the Big Ten in terms of results. But that November stretch was disappointing nonetheless and left a lot of bad taste in the mouth of many Nebraska fans. But entering 2024, the Cornhuskers have opportunity, they have potential like they do every year, and... I believe in Matt Rule. I think Nebraska fans should believe in Matt Rule. So I want to talk about the expectations, areas where I think Nebraska will improve, and my overall outlook for the Cornhuskers entering 2024, at least from a way-too-early perspective. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we dive any deeper, I just want to remind you all to hit that like button so we can get this video into the algorithm. Also, please hit that big red subscribe button to show your support for Big Red, whether you're a Nebraska fan or not. Even if you're a fan of one of Nebraska's rivals, it's good to have Nebraska football functioning at a serviceable level at the very worst and at an elite level at best. I think college football is better when Nebraska football is good, great, near elite or elite. Plus, if you're an Iowa, Wisconsin, or Minnesota fan, what's the fun in beating a Nebraska team that isn't good? As a Michigan fan myself, I like when Michigan State and Ohio State are good because it fosters superior competition. So hit that subscribe button is the moral of the story, regardless of which fan you, which fan base you're a part of, rather. And please click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more college football content. Lastly, please comment your way-too-early thoughts on Nebraska football for the 2024 season down below. And if you want to support the channel, please check out my Patreon page or my merchandise store via the links in the description and the links posted in and below in the replies to the pinned comment at the top of the comment section. Now... Let's dive deep in. To circle back quickly to 2023, the Cornhuskers last season had the 13th 
best scoring defense, but the 123rd best scoring offense. They allowed 18.2 points per game, but only scored 18 points per game. Very similar to the Iowa Hawkeyes, except the Iowa Hawkeyes were good at winning close games, whether it was against Illinois, Nebraska themselves, Wisconsin. I could go on and on. Um, The Big Ten West was full of teams, specifically Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska last year, who had porous offenses that ultimately wasted anywhere from, I would say, great to elite defenses. Nebraska was no exception to that, and every other team in the Big Ten West had a terrible offense or an inconsistent offense, but those other schools were not Nebraska, Iowa, or Wisconsin, really had porous defenses. I'm specifically looking at you, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, and Northwestern was this weird exception. They actually finished with the best quarterback play and best overall offense, in my opinion at least, in the Big Ten West. Nebraska can't be in this position again entering 2024. They have to improve on the offensive side of the football, and more importantly, they have to improve in terms of wins and losses on the field and of fulfilling the potential that they have and reflecting that in their performance via their schedule. The 2023 team was a roller coaster for the Nebraska fan base, starting out 0-2, painfully losing to Minnesota, getting ground up, chewed up by Deion Sanders and spit out of his mouth like a bunch of tobacco. And then the 5-1 run that I mentioned earlier occurred. And Nebraska was able to run the football successfully. Their offensive line was improving. And the defense from the get-go we knew was improved. But we only got to know how good the defense was, I think, in later September, right before the Michigan game, and truly in October, when, I mean, the defense was just carrying the offense successfully. But they couldn't do it all season. And that's why 5-7 and seven and 3-6 and six in Big Ten conference play happened. Jeff Sims entered the transfer portal. Heinrich Harburg, after his performance, I, I don't think that he's fit to be a starting quarterback. There's going to be a lot that changes from the end of the 2023 season to kickoff of the 2024 season for Nebraska against UTEP. On August 31st, and we will see some of those changes in the spring game, which takes place April 27th for the Cornhuskers. But we are still in January, and this really is a way too early opinion, way too early assessment. The transfer portal is slowing down, but it does take a lot of time to pour through these teams, get an idea of their depth chart, and really rank the position groups and rank all the teams across and make predictions. So what I want to start out with is the expectations, and and then we'll take it out from there. Whether we go off on a tangent or not, we'll see, because there's a lot to talk about. But what should the expectations be for Nebraska entering the 2024 season? What, at the bare minimum, do we need Nebraska to do to call this a success, or at least a serviceable year? to not call it a disappointment. I would say three things. Number one, you have to go bowling. Number two, the offense, 
the offense just has to be better, especially at quarterback. And I think the latter portion of that's more of a guarantee with Dylan Riola committing to Nebraska and with him being a five-star and having a much better arm, better accuracy, just a far superior passer to Heinrich Harburg, Jeff Sims, and even Chubba Purdy, who also entered the transfer portal. But scoring offense, that portion is not a guarantee to improve, even with Dylan Riola coming in. Is it a likely improvement? Yes, but there's coaching, there's the offensive line improving, there's running back staying healthy, there are the receivers in the transfer portal panning out, like Isaiah Nair and also Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda coming back from injury, so health at wide receiver, tight end, really everywhere for the Cornhuskers. And Dylan Riola, as much as I think he is an improvement at passer, I don't know necessarily if he has the same athleticism on the ground or willingness to run as the three rotational quarterbacks for Nebraska last season. So the offense has to improve. And most importantly, for the long run, Matt Rule needs to continue recruiting and developing his ideal roster, which means in 2024, you want a better recruiting class. And you want to see these players get better week after week after week. You want to see backups and rotational players step up when injuries inevitably happen. Look at the national champions of the past three seasons, whether it's Georgia's defense still being elite when Nolan Smith gets dinged up for the rest of the season in 2022, whether it's Georgia rebounding from a disastrous loss in the SEC championship game in 2021, whether it's 2020 when Jalen Waddell gets injured for Alabama, but Devonta Smith steps up. I know he was a starter, but I think that still counts. You know, being a team is a part, a part of being a a team is stepping up and increasing your workload when your teammate, for a variety of reasons, can't work at the same capacity that he should be, or that ideally he should be, because injuries are not the fault of the player. Or even the 2023 national champion, the Michigan Wolverines, McCarthy not being healthy completely for much of November, and that took away his scrambling ability. Zach Zinner being out for games against Iowa, Alabama, and Washington. And defensively at the beginning of the year, Rod Moore and Will Johnson not being healthy. And yet because all four of those teams that I mentioned starting in 2020, and we could go well before that, the national champions, which Matt Rule has stated that he wants to win championships, and that obviously means that Nebraska competing or trying to compete for a national championship, don't know if that's realistic or if that will happen, but that means building great depth. That means your backups and even your third stringers play at a great level and can play at a power five level, can play 60 minutes of power five football. And hopefully in 2024, Nebraska sees a team that responds well to adversity, a team that has physical and mental toughness good strength and conditioning, and a staff that takes care of its players and that puts its players in the best possible position to win. 
Going bowling requires six wins. I don't know how the bowl landscape is going to look now that the New Year's Six Bowls are exclusively a part of the college football playoff. That's, on one hand, I guess a bad thing because that makes non-college football playoff games even more a large portion of people would say meaningless, and I'm struggling to find another word besides meaningless, but what I guess I'll say is irrelevant in terms of a national scale. And, you know, opt-outs are going to be even more prevalent in those non-college football playoff bowl games, and they're already very prevalent now. But that also opens up doors for Nebraska because in a 12-team playoff with six auto bids and six at-large spots, Nebraska no longer has to go 13 and 0 or 12 and 1 or even 11 and 2. They no longer have to reach their conference championship game or have a elite season to reach the playoffs. There's a way that they could go 10 and 2, suffer two losses and reach the college football playoff. And while this season, I don't think we should be expecting Nebraska to even compete for a playoff spot, in the future, with the recruiting classes that Matt Rule is bringing in, with the understanding that Nebraska is a blue blood program, and with the flashes that we saw from a 2023 team that was banged up, that I think was still mentally and physically busted from the Scott Frost era, and from some unfortunate happenings, whether it was the coaching staff or roster's fault or not, in the 2023 season— I think that's reasonable in the, I would say, medium to long-term future to expect the Huskers to compete for a college football playoff spot, and expanding the playoff makes that more doable. So for this season, get to a bowl game, improve the offensive side of the ball, maintain the defensive side of the ball and the excellence that it had, and continue to develop the roster and be a team that is able to hit back that has counterpunches, and a team that when the injuries inevitably happen, because injuries are inevitable, they're a part of the game, the roster and the backups can step up and fulfill their assigned roles. I think that the Huskers will improve in specific areas, in areas that I think are necessary in other areas where it's just a continuation of what we saw from last year. An example of this is the rush offense. Nebraska in 2023, in spite of what was a porous Iowa level, Iowa, Brian Ferentz, he who shall not be named level offense, the Huskers ran for 176.8 yards per game. 1.3 rushing touchdowns per game, and they averaged 4.4 yards per carry. At one point, they were, even taking stats out of it and trying to look at it objectively, adjusting for schedule and opponents, they looked like one of the better rushing attacks in the Big Ten, up there with Michigan and up there with Penn State. Now, I think that Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State went healthy, and some other teams namely I think Wisconsin when healthy, and Minnesota again when when healthy. A lot of when healthy, which is interesting given that the Big Ten has a reputation for having good strength and conditioning, but then again injuries are a part of the game, and we see that all around. 
could have had better rushing attacks than Nebraska because all those aforementioned schools on average had better offensive lines. And offensive lines make up a great chunk of the ground game. They make up a bigger chunk of the ground game than they do the passing game. But with returning depth, the offensive line returns all of their starters and they add Micah Mazkua from the transfer portal. Started at Baylor in 2022 and Florida at 2023 on the offensive line. He's a good offensive guard, sizable, serviceable. I think he was maybe honorable mention SEC, maybe was a part of the All-Big 12 team. I know that he was highly rated in the portal when he committed to Florida. He was a four-star in the transfer portal. He's only a three-star in the 2024 transfer portal cycle committing to Nebraska. But the returning depth at offensive line and the additions there and also at running back, Nebraska will be getting Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin back. Dante Dowdell, former four-star Oregon signee, he's transferring to Nebraska. And Emmett Johnson, who rushed for 410 yards and started six of the final seven games, he's coming back. Dowdell is 6'2", 210 pounds. Gabe Irvin Jr. is 6'2", 220 pounds. Emmett Johnson and Ramir Johnson are the lighter speedier running backs, but Emmett Johnson has some power to him, and Ramir Johnson has played in a receiver role before, receiver out of the backfield, and actually I think was trying to transition, or the staff wanted him to transition to wide receiver under the Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph offense in Scott Frost's final season in 2022. I think this run game is going to be, I don't want to say phenomenal, I'm going to have to do more studying again, this is a way too early assessment, and my thoughts on Nebraska, way too early for a reason. I think it will be a great rushing attack. I think a top 20 rushing attack nationally. I expect that even with Turner Corcoran on the offensive line and some other players on the offensive line that I've mentioned before where I don't know if you can get them to play right, if you can quote-unquote fix them, so you may just have to exhaust their eligibility and then the offensive line can really start making elite strides. But Micah Mazkua, Ben Scott, who was honorable mention, all Big Ten, um, Bryce Benhart, Teddy Prohaska, and other players, I think this offensive line is going to have experience. It will be better than last year because of the transfer portal additions and the returning production that's all a recipe for at least improvement, maybe a recipe for success. I think you're going to see improvements in the ground game, the offensive line. Quarterback is intriguing. And I say it's intriguing because typically you don't start true freshmen. But I think that's part of the reason why Raiola, along with having his uncle coaching, for Nebraska and him being a legacy recruit for the Huskers and having ties there, I think that was part of the reason why he committed, because he knew that he was going to have to sit on the bench and be developed at Georgia for probably two seasons, if we're being honest, if not potentially more. Georgia, even with, even with, I, for, I forget his name, transferred to Kentucky, Brock Vandegriff there, transferring out former five-star to Kentucky, you have Carson Beck, who will be starting for Georgia this season, and 
I think Gunnar Stockton, with proper development, could be a really good elite quarterback. So you have depth there. Nebraska doesn't have any depth. Chubba Purdy was the best quarterback that Nebraska had. He's transferred out. And Jeff Sims, who was the worst quarterback, in my mind, transferred out. Heinrich Harburg, I agree with Corn Crazed on this. I don't think he's fit to be a starting quarterback for a winning Power 5 program. That only leaves Dylan Riola. It does. And let me know down in the comments section below if you'd like me to go live and invite Corn Crazed on the channel probably within the next month. I'd like to invite some live people on. And I would and will invite him at some point, but the schedule's pretty packed. So if you all really want me to get him on, and I know I can get great engagement off of it, I will prioritize that to be a sooner rather than later spring project. But Riola's 6'3", 230 pounds, top 10 player in both 24-7 sports composite and individual rankings, in 2023, he threw for 2,819 yards, 34 touchdowns, one pick. Negative 35 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, though. You're not going to see the same mobility, athleticism, scrambling ability, design run ability at quarterback with Riola. But you are going to see an improvement. I'd say a drastic improvement in the passing game. And something that I didn't put up here would also be wide receiver. At some point, you know, Alex Bullock, Marcus Washington, Billy Kemp IV, that was a pretty thin wide receiver room, as Alex Bullock is a walk-on. And Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman also got some playing time as true freshmen. With them getting a, you know, doubling their preseason experience, doubling their training here at Nebraska with Bullock returning Billy Kemp and Marcus Washington, I do, yeah, they're gone. But you have incoming transfers like Isaiah Nahur, who is a standout at Wyoming, transferred to Texas, unfortunately was injured, so he didn't get much playing time. He's transferring in. Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda is returning. Jamal Banks was an honorable mention all-ACC wide receiver at Wake Forest, and Wake Forest is known for having good offenses, they are. Defense is not their strong suit, but under head coach Dave Clawson, offense is their thing. That's how they win. That's how they go to bowl games. That's how they reach the ACC championship game in 2021. These are all great additions, especially, you know, Jamal Banks, I think, who's the most proven addition in the portal. But Isaiah Nayer does have a high ceiling, 6'3", 215 pounds. Banks is 6'4", 205. We've seen flashes from Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, and Bullock, Malachi Coleman, and Jalen Lloyd getting more experience will help Dylan Riola ease into that starting quarterback role, as it will be a transition from being a starting dominant high school quarterback to being a true freshman college quarterback, playing with a supporting cast that, look, it's not going to be as good of a supporting cast as what Ohio State will have, who Nebraska takes on on the road in Columbus, October 26th. It probably won't be as good of a supporting cast overall, and mainly when I talk about supporting cast, I mean the offensive line, as that's who snaps the ball to the quarterback and protects him when he's trying to pass or protects him when he's trying to design run or scramble, etc. 
he may not have the same supporting cast even that Iowa, Wisconsin, or USC have. Those are the three of Nebraska's November opponents. So it's absolutely critical for improvements to be made everywhere, as Nebraska was a 5-7 and seven team last year, and they, whether it was offensively everywhere, but especially a quarterback and wide receiver, or even defensively with the secondary allowing some big plays, or toward the end of the year when injuries and offensive ineptitude meant that even the run defense, the pride of the black shirts, was being called into question later in the season, improvements have to be made. But I think especially on offense, we will see improvements at quarterback, on the offensive line, in the rush offense, and the wide receiver room. So overall, my 2024 outlook, I think, is positive. I think Nebraska is improving. They're bringing in the 23rd overall 2024 recruiting class with 35 total commits. They return much of their 2023 production. We will see if that bodes well. Production can sometimes be an overrated statistic. A good example of this that I like to point to is 2022 Michigan State. They statistically returned most of their production from a 2021 team that, with Kenneth Walker, went 11-2 and and won the Peach Bowl. But due to questionable coordinators and due to the fact that most of their returning production was from their average-to-below-average players, mainly on defense, particularly at secondary and at parts of the offensive line and at quarterback, they're good players for the most part outside of what that season I expected to be Jacob Slade, Simeon Barrow, Peyton Thorne, and Trey Mosley and Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, but they lost Speedy Naylor at wide, re- at wide receiver, they lost Connor Hayward at tight end, and most importantly, they lost Kenneth Walker at running back. Many of their good to, in the case of Walker, elite players left. The bad ones returned. So even though their returning production was high, you have to look deeper than just the base numbers. It's like the difference between GDP and real GDP. Statistics can sometimes be deceiving. You really have to look in depth, and some statistics are more important than others. But On a broad level, they return much of their 2023 production, and the parts where they lost production, like quarterback, for example, well, that was horrible anyway. You can't get much worse than what Nebraska had at quarterback. They had worse quarterback play than even Deacon Hill at Brian Ferentz-led Iowa, which is just outer-worldly. So you don't care that you lost production there. You return production on the offensive line, which was physical and better than any Scott Frost offensive line that I have seen. You return production at tight end with Thomas Fedoni, who had a good season when he was finally healthy. Production is returned and also added to at receiver and running back. Running back being an area of greatness, an area where we can look back on and say that that room had success despite adversity in 2023. And on defense, Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer are gone, but... Nash Huttmacher, the polar bear, he returns on the defensive line. Ty Robinson returns on the defensive line. Chief Borders and MJ Sherman return at linebacker. And at defensive back, Isaac Gifford, Tommy Hill, Deshaun Singleton, Marcus Buford Jr., Malcolm Harzog. There's so much returning production in so many spots that had potential or that consistently played well. 
that did the right things, that I err on the side of this returning production being beneficial and being real returning production rather than fake or discouraging real production. The only area where I would say this returning production could be fake is along the offensive line. But I think with the addition especially of Mazkua and the returning of Ben Scott, I do think we will see improvements there as well. Last thing I'm going to mention, I'm going to briefly go over the schedule and then we'll close out this segment. Rule needs to win quickly. I mean, he needs to hit September hot, and he has an opportunity to do so. Because this November schedule, really the October schedule, starting with Ohio State, and I incorrectly said only USC, Wisconsin, and Iowa were the only November opponents for the Huskers. UCLA plays Nebraska on October or November 2nd, rather. After that Ohio State game, the schedule gets tough rather quickly. And while there is opportunity in a schedule that from kickoff to the first bye week is UTEP August 31st, Colorado September 7th, Northern Iowa September 14th, Illinois September 21st, four straight home games at Purdue September 28th, and hosting Rutgers October 5th, there are losable games in there. Colorado is a losable game. Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers are losable games. Seeing that Nebraska's coming off of a losing record and they weren't that much better than any of those four teams that I mentioned, in some cases, in the case of Rutgers and with the case of Colorado, at least in the beginning of the season, they were worse than those teams. So the Cornhuskers could after the bye week of October 12th, and if they were to win all those games and beat Indiana October 19th, they could already have locked up a winning season by the time they travel to Ohio State, which I would say is a guaranteed loss. They could be 7-0 and entering that game. They could be 6-0 and entering the first bye week. But it's so critical that Matt Rule gets closer to those six or seven wins before the Ohio State game than not. Because that Ohio State game could temporarily throw a cog or break the team for the rest of the season. Because blowouts can do that. And with how much Ohio State's returning and how good they are under Ryan Day, it wouldn't shock me if they just pancaked Nebraska right out of the gate and won by four, five, six, or even seven touchdowns. Wouldn't shock me one bit. And after that, a home game at UCLA could provide some trouble, but more importantly, after the November 9th bye week, a road game at USC November 16th, that could be problematic, and a home game against Wisconsin the 23rd and the rivalry game at Iowa Friday, November 29th, those are going to be tough games. So it's so important that Rule stacks wins early while the schedule is light, while there is opportunity against these teams like UTEP, Colorado, Northern Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, and Indiana. All of those teams have less talent overall than Nebraska does. And I'd say for all but one of those teams, I expect Nebraska to win. That's a hint at my way-too-early record prediction. You can ask who I think that one team that will beat Nebraska in those first seven games is in the comments section, or you can wait for my Big Ten record prediction video that I hope to release within these next two weeks. 
That's all I have in this video. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you want to support this channel, you can check out my Patreon page via the link in the description or the pinned comment. Please make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell. And I want to give a shout out to my supporters from Patreon. Thanks to Crash2488 for being a Heisman patron. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst for being an All-American patron. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being all conference patrons. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.